Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Today's episode of The Other Stories is Crawl Space, written by Kev Harrison and narrated by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace. Dennis eases into his armchair, scoops up his dog-eared paperback and emits a satisfied sigh. Friday night, a tough week over, the missus napping upstairs and the boy on a playdate until at least eight. Bliss. Finding his page, he's just about to discover how Lord Uhtred gets out of his latest scrape when it begins. Next door in that bloody Europop, again, Dennis closes the book, listens to the twin sounds of the so-called music and his blood boiling. Still, not that loud. As long as they don't wake the wife. Can you hear that, Dennis? A voice from upstairs. Now they've done it. I'm going round. Don't make a scene. I'll be polite. Dennis steps outside, slamming the front door behind him. He crunches across the gravel driveway and skirts round the odorous bin cupboards to the neighbours. Before buzzing, he narrows his eyes, trying to make out shapes within the shadows through the pane of frosted glass. Defeated, he presses the bell. A shrill sound cuts through everything, then stops. A light turns on inside 
illuminating a silhouette in the window before the door creeps open. Dennis, I was just coming to see you. It's Constantine, the colossal neighbour from the Carpathians. He looks like someone has shat on his dinner, coming to see me. About this music, it's too loud, man. Music? My music? I came to see you about your music. You woke my bloody wife up. I'll never hear the end. Listen, do you hear any music? Constantine takes a step backward, beckons Dennis closer. Dennis takes a half step, leans into the house. It's eerily quiet. Then he spots it. That's it. Do you hear it? I do, yeah. And he's pissing me off. That's why I was coming around. So if you could turn it down or, better still, turn it off. I can keep my shoes off, okay? Dennis glances at Constantine's boat-like feet wrapped in fluffy pink hippo slippers. He looked back up at his neighbour's face. We're not playing any music. I was sure it was you. The adjoining wall is right next to my armchair. And mine. Look, come inside. Dennis half jogs in. Shoes off, please. Or I'll be for it. Sorry. Dennis slips off his shoes and follows Constantine into the lounge. He steeples his fingers over his lips, sizing up the room, working out where the two living spaces are connected. So, my chair must be on the other side of that wall... there? Not far from mine. I was happily reading, but once the music started... Same for me. I can't hear it now, though. Quiet. Constantine brings a meaty finger to his lips. It's there. Straining. Dennis can hear it. The thumping rhythm. He turns his head to the side, leans against the wall. What the hell? He pauses, then... Come on. I've got an idea. He stomps across the lounge into his discarded shoes and outside... He's halfway across the driveway when he turns to see Constantine tugging at his hippos, before tying his customary work boots. Sorry, Dennis. Be right there. By the time Dennis has unlocked the door, Constantine is close behind. He leads him through to the lounge and gestures at the wall behind his armchair. Have a listen there. Constantine presses himself flat against the wallpaper, scrunching his eyes shut in concentration. It's the same as in my place. Weird, eh? Come on. They trudge into the hallway at the back of the lounge. Did you tell that oaf to turn his crap music off? The wife's voice from upstairs. Constantine has come over to help us with something, love. Good afternoon, Mrs. Yates. No reply. Dennis shrugs before leading Constantine into the box room opposite the staircase. He shoves stacked boxes and bin bags full of clothing and unwanted junk to one side to make space for them both. Was there an avalanche in here? It was going to be a home office, but you know how these things go. Dennis grabs an exercise bike box, complete with bike, and drags it away from the wall, revealing a cavity and exposed beams, protruding at angles like gapped teeth. Where the sound was dulled by the closed walls in the lounge, here, it seeps from the open space swelling to fill the pokey room. There aren't any other houses connected to ours, are there? Constantine shakes his head. Dennis squeezes between two beams and leans into the darkness. He pulls back out and says, I'm going down there. What do you mean? Constantine says, following Dennis out of the room to the cupboard under the stairs. Dennis crawls inside on hands and knees, before backing out with a coil of rope wrapped around one arm. What's that for? You're going to lower me down there. I'm coming with you, 
Have you ever done any climbing? Abseiling? Besides, will you even fit in there? You can't go down there by yourself. Dennis sucks his teeth and leads the way back into the would-be office. He checks the length of rope before dangling it into the darkness, feeling for the bottom. The rope goes limp, and he assesses how much slack is left. Satisfied, he ties what's left around the banister at the bottom of the stairs. He tugs at it and, supposing it's secure enough, shoves one of the dangling beams to one side. He clambers over the edge and secures his feet against the wall. Dennis grips the rope as his feet shuffle down the inside of the wall. How far does it go? Constantine's booming voice trembles slightly as he asks. Further than I'd have guessed. I'll tell you when I get to the bottom. Keep hold of your phone in case I slip, okay? Dennis's trainers scuff a few times on the surface, but he reaches the bottom unscathed. The ground underfoot is unexpectedly hard. He turns on his phone's torch and inspects it. It's relatively even. Natural stone, not concrete. Stand back, Dennis. I'm coming down. Are you sure you can- Dennis stops short when he hears Constantine's feet scrabbling on the wall. Constantine descends too fast, the last few metres passing quickly before he lands with a thump. He groans. Are you okay? Oh, oh, more or less. What's this floor made of? Dennis shines his torch beam on the ground. Oh, well that's- Yep, anyway, listen. Far louder than before, Dennis and Constantine are in a tight corner of what appears to be a tunnel. Surrounded on all sides by rock, the only way is toward the sound, where a single speck of light punctuates the darkness. Do you see that? I do. Let's move towards it. Dennis strides forward at pace, offbeat footsteps echoing against the tight walls. When did you move in here anyway? He asks in a whisper. January. Only a month before you, I think. That's right. We got lucky, to be honest. Such a decent price for a nice area. The landlord was desperate. He said the previous tenants had just... Disappeared? Yeah. How did you... Oh, fucking hell. Neither man speaks as they move forward for seconds, which seem like hours. As they get closer, the bright speck stretches out into two sets of parallel lines. A doorway. Dennis gropes around in the blackness and finds a metallic doorknob. He glances back at Constantine, who nods in response to his unasked question. The daylight is blinding after the pitch darkness of the tunnel. Once his eyes adjust, Dennis squints, confused at the unnatural silver-blue hue of the cloudless sky. This doesn't make sense, Constantine's voice behind. Dennis turns to see the door they've just come out of. The bin cupboard between two houses. Their houses. Only, not quite. The walls are delicately slanted. The roof's smooth lines interrupted with jagged, errant pieces, like poorly assembled Tetris blocks. The throbbing, bassy beat is louder here, and it's coming from inside. Shall we go in? Knock, at least. Your place or mine? Constantine rubs the stubble on his square chin. The wife was in when we... left... Let's try mine. Dennis steps forward, readies his knuckles to rap on the door. The panel juts out at an angle towards him. This is all wrong, he says, but knocks regardless. There's a moment's pause before the light behind the frosted glass in the centre falls into shadow. 
the lock and latch clunk, then the door swings open. Louder than ever. In front of Dennis stands... Dennis. Or a slightly off version of him at least. One arm looks longer than the other. His neck has a sharp bend in the middle, and his left eye is partially obscured by threads of skin which meet in a crude lattice pattern. What the fuck? Constantine's voice carries from the end of the garden path. Dennis swallows noisily, then speaks. We've come about the, uh, a noise? Can you hear it? The other Dennis tilts his head, turning the right ear toward Dennis and squinting with his one good eye. He bends the longer left arm, gesturing behind him with a thumb, as incomprehensible sounds which feel like they might be words pour from his lips. Dennis is nowhere near understanding, but nods anyway. The man in the doorway steps aside and, after looking back at Constantine and receiving only a shrug and a concerned expression, Dennis leads the way through the hall. The lounge, like the outside, is a child's approximation of Dennis's own living room. The colours are slightly off, and everything is at an angle. On the coffee table in the centre is the paperback he'd been reading before this all began. The words are gibberish, made up of unfamiliar symbols. Dennis shakes his head, releases a breath, and keeps going. Upon opening the box room at the bottom of the stairs, the sound level reaches a painful level. Four fingers poked into his ears, Dennis turns to Constantine and raises his voice against the sound. What do we do? Constantine, palms covering his own ears, glances over his shoulder. The other Dennis is watching from the trapezoid doorway to the kitchen. Constantine turns back to Dennis. We need to know what's down there. Shall we see if Dennis... This guy has a rope in the cupboard. Dennis nods his agreement, strides back into the hall and opens the cupboard. He finds the coil of rope in the exact spot he kept his own. He secures it on the banister rail and feeds it between beams in the missing wall panel. Keep an eye on the rope. Constantine wraps his hands around the cord and Dennis begins to descend. The sound is ever closer, ever louder. His feet touch down on the tunnel floor and after a few minutes, Constantine makes a more graceful landing than earlier. A few hundred metres ahead, in the direction of the sound, is a speck of light. I'll go first, Constantine says, and he's already marching, the thumping of boots on stone a rhythmic accent, to the nausea-inducing pulse. They pause in front of the door, Dennis instinctively reaching for the cold metal doorknob. Their eyes meet, conveying a silent understanding. Dennis twists and pushes. The sky is grey-white. Once out of the cupboard, they about face to find their houses, even more crudely remade. Angles lean into one another impossibly, at cross-purposes. The structure looks like it could, should, collapse in on itself at any moment. Dennis eyes Constantine, realises his hands are trembling. Fuck this, he says and stomps to the front door, thumping a fist against the lurching wood. When the door opens, an impression of Dennis that Picasso would have been proud of lurks in the doorway. Not even bothering to speak, Dennis barges the crude facsimile aside and hurries through to the back of the house. He fetches the rope, secures it, then opens the box room door. Every fibre of his being thrums with the deafening beat. His brain swells painfully in the soup inside his skull. Glancing backward, he's relieved to see Constantine has come with him. 
Dennis allows his eyes to take in the rough sketch made real that is this house before lowering himself into the cacophonous dark. They struggle forward, leaning into their strides as though walking into an intermittent gale. Their eyes meet at the end of the tunnel. Your nose is bleeding, Dennis says. But of course, Constantine can't hear him. The sound is absolute. A violent physical force. He touches a hand to his own nose. His fingers come away wet, red in the light of the cracks around the door. He feels liquid seeping from the corners of his eyes, wipes them, more blood. Slowly, Dennis fixes his hand around the doorknob. He raises his eyebrows at Constantine, who nods in reply. On the other side of the door, the light is blinding white. Dennis squints, looks up at Constantine, then mouths. Together, they step forward. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Crawl Space was written by Kev Harrison, narrated and edited by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace himself, with music by Daniel Birch and Andrew K.N. and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Karen O'Brien for helping with some mission reading, and of course to Ben Errington for wriggling through the twists and turns of the social media labyrinth. Kev Harrison is a British writer of horror and dark fiction living in Lisbon, Portugal. His novella, Below, is out now from Bridget's Gate Press. Find out more about him and his work at www.kevharrisonfiction.com. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast, a short story fiction podcast of tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch other works of his at www.jamesbarnettcreative.com. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.